0: Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week, we're talking to former pro runner and national 10K champion Chelsea Sidaro. Chelsea moved to triathlon a few years ago and shares with us here everything she's learned over the years from injuries, comebacks, missing out on the Olympics, and going all in on believing in yourself even when your resume might not back that up. Chelsea was fourth at last year's 70.3 World Championships, her first Worlds race, and she's got big plans for the future. But most importantly... Right now, she's having fun. But first up is a topic we've all been weighing a lot right now. When is it safe to return to racing? What health and safety issues should we consider when making that decision? And what are the medical risks? Jeff Sankoff, an emergency physician and triathlon coach, runs TriDoc Coaching and answers athletes' medical questions on his own podcast, The TriDoc. Here he joins us to talk about the questions triathletes have right now. Don't forget to subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And stay tuned for some news about our new virtual event or check out our website for more info. All that after this break. Were you supposed to be doing a big race this fall? Lining up for a full 140.6 this year? Missing out on all the challenge and competition? We're here for you. Races might be canceled, but we can still find our own adventures. During the week when so many of us would have been headed to the Big Island, we're instead challenging you to join us for Hawaii from Home. Complete a full iron distance race over the course of race week. Swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, run a marathon in seven days. Do it all at once as fast as you can, or take your time island style. Get t-shirts, swag, raffle prizes, and workouts and tips from top coaches and athletes. Register and more information at triathlete.com backslash Hawaii from home. All right, we're joined this week first by Jeff Sankoff, who is a doctor, a coach, a triathlete. He runs TriDoc Coaching and has his own TriDoc podcast where he answers people's medical triathlon questions. So here's my question for you, Jeff. What are like the most common medical triathlon questions you get?
1: Uh, Well, up until this year, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, I get questions a lot about the different paraphernalia that are marketed to triathletes. People always want to know, you know, well, I mean, everything from under the sun, really. I mean, like, you know, there's devices that are marketed to, you know, they always claim that they can make athletes train better, race better, recover better. And and people want to know, like, is it true before they go and spend their money? And that's really where I've spent the bulk of my time is sort of like uh, digging into scientific evidence to give athletes the information that they need in order to make those kinds of decisions about whether or not it makes sense to either buy a device or buy a nutritional supplement or perhaps modify their training.
0: Okay. And is your answer like usually no?
1: For devices, (laughs) it's been almost entirely no. Uh, For supplements, it's been a little bit more nuanced. (laughs) I think there's been some things that, uh, I mean, nothing works as well as manufacturers say they do. Uh, Manufacturers have a tendency to, I mean, you know, cherry pick and choose to sort of best possible results, Uh, but when you kind of dig through things and filter it down to the everyday athlete, is something gonna do for me uh, or the everyday athlete what it's gonna do for, say, Jan Frodeno? Probably not, Uh, but, you know, there are definitely some things. I mean, I just recently did something on beetroot juice, which is a great example, which you know, there is some science to suggest it, it does confer some benefits, but the benefits are really small. Uh, and, you know, is it worth going out there and spending all the money on, you know, beetroot juice supplements? So uh, that's up to the individual to make that decision. But at least I can give the, you know, the the facts and people can make their own decision okay. with, with at least without so much, you know, marketing hype.
0: Right, right. Okay. So there are, I mean, there are some supplements, vitamins, et cetera, that are
1: worthwhile. Okay. Yeah, every every once in a while, there's one that might be
0: helpful. Um, and these days, obviously, I would imagine you're getting totally different questions. What are the kinds of triathlon medical questions you're getting now?
1: Yeah, it's been a pretty depressing year, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, most of the questions nowadays are related to how can I stay safe? Um, and as the pandemic has continued, it's, you know, do I really still need to worry about this? And then, you know, races are coming back. Should I go? Right. And, and you know, it, they're all kind of, they're kind of different sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the truth of the matter is, is this virus has not even been around for a year. And we continue to know a lot less about it than what we don't know. And so a lot of my answers to this are still you know, based on best guesses. But unfortunately, it's really hard to give people definitive answers on some of this stuff.
0: Right. And I mean, I contacted you because I read a piece you wrote on Training Peaks about kind of weighing those questions as we are getting back some small races, some socially distanced races. And how should people know if they can do a race or if they can't? Like what what are the signs they should be looking out for? What are the health concerns? You know, what should they personally be paying attention to?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, and and this is really hard, uh, you know, people are, are grieving. I mean, we've lost so much this year. I mean, never mind. I mean, obviously, there have been 165,000 people have died from this, and that's just from COVID. I mean, there are deaths from other diseases that have skyrocketed in the same time frame. And so many, many people have lost loved ones or friends because of COVID or uh, related illnesses. But, But, you know, even for the average triathlete who doesn't know anybody who's been sick or died... They've lost so much and we have to acknowledge that. And so it becomes a really difficult decision for a triathlete who's looking at a race like, you know, Ironman Cosmo is still on the list right now. Mm -hmm. and, And I've had a lot of conversations with people who are, you know, itching to go to that race. And, you know, here I am. I'm not signed up for it. I wouldn't go to it. But, you know here I am telling them, look, you have to make a decision. It's like, yeah, how important is it to race on one day versus what the potential outcomes could be if you went to that race and things went awry. And I don't think it's fair to assume that a triathlete is going to be able to look at that and make a objective decision because they're coming to it from a Perspective of they've worked so hard and they've been grieving for so long and everybody just wants this sense of normalcy and and I get that I really really do With that being said, (laughs) this is not a disease to trifle with. This is a really, really nasty illness. And, you know, we keep hearing that younger people or people who are in shape are less prone to get seriously ill or even die, and that is true. But I will tell you, I've seen a lot of young people who have gotten horrendously ill from this and who have died. And even those who survive, it's no picnic. The ones who get pretty sick, you know, they still get pretty sick. And they have very long standing after effects. We've heard all kinds of stories about even triathletes who've contracted COVID, not by traveling to a race, but just by, you know, staying at home and training and their recoveries have been really, really difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Have, I've heard, heard some
0: stories of people who like were, you know, Kona finishers, Ironman athletes, and now, you know, months later, they're still struggling to jog 10-minute miles, etc. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And we don't know what the outcomes are going to be going forward for those folks either. So when people ask me, you know, is it safe to go back to a race, uh, you know, you've got to – try and be objective. And I think that what I tell people is, you know, don't make the decision on your own. You've gotta bring other people into this equation because you're not gonna be able to be objective about it. So think seriously about what this could mean to you. And I want you to just sort of think about the risks, not just to you, but to your family and to your community. Because if you're going somewhere for a race, now if you're doing a race locally, that's a different question. But I'm talking more about a big event like Cosmo, where there's gonna be a couple of thousand people coming from all over. The likelihood of, you know, somebody being there or probably a couple of hundred people being there who have the virus and are asymptomatic is very high. And and that becomes a potential huge, what we call a super spreader event. You know, we know that this virus is very contagious. Uh, we know that if you're traveling to an event like that, you have to eat at restaurants, you have to stay at hotels. Ironman could do all it wants to try and mitigate the likelihood of spread, but it's not going to be able to make it, you know, zero. There's going to be spread. And then those people are then going to take it back to their communities. So, you know, is it that important to do a race this one day? Because look, 2020 is is pretty much not going to happen at this point. So how important is it to you to do this race? I understand that, you know, people feel like COVID's not going anywhere and we have to have some kind of normal life and we have to learn to live with this virus. I get all that. But I think it's easier to do that if we as a country first get our heads wrapped around how we're going to manage our day to day lives with the virus before we just run out and do a triathlon, because we are nowhere close to being able to live with this virus on a day to day basis, you know, in the United States right now.
0: Right. And so things like, you know, mitigation measures, you know, certainly here in Colorado day to day, we do see tons of people wearing masks, social distancing. We aren't We're. if you can work remotely, you are, you know, you're. All those kinds of steps, are they effective when it comes to races, like the steps that race directors are taking? Are there ones yeah. that matter and ones that don't?
1: I, you know, I give huge props to Ironman. Man. I mean, they they they've come up with a great plan. And I mean, if you look at their video, uh, you know, I, I think that they've designed what looks like a terrific way of trying to mitigate spread of virus at these events what they don't have in their video is 2000 people and that's the problem you know their video looks like they've got about 20 people there and is it easy to keep people distance when you got about 20 people absolutely they haven't tried this on a big scale right. and i've seen pictures you know if you look on social media and you see people who have attended small local events it's a catastrophe. I mean, the 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 pictures I've seen of transition, they're not spread out. They, you know, I mean, the pictures I've seen of races locally, at least most of the ones I've seen, they don't look like they're really doing a great job. Uh, are the guidelines good? Yeah. But are they going to be effective? I don't know. I mean, anytime you're putting a large group of people together and and by large group, I'm saying more than 50 or so. You know, you've got a potential for spread. There's no question. Outdoor events like triathlon are going to have a significantly lower likelihood of disease spread and that is a good thing. Than indoor, than like offices. Than indoors, absolutely. But when you put people, you know, together, especially if they're congregating before a swim, if they're congregating in transition, those are the two, you know, important places where you have to worry that's the, that's where I start to get a little bit nervous. And, um, you know, I'd like to see, I, I haven't been to any of these events. I'm only relying on what I've seen in social mm-hmm. media, but, uh, well, based on what I've seen in social media, I've not been terribly impressed, but, okay. you know, I'd be very interested to see what one of these look like up close. I, I've had conversations with local race directors here in Colorado and, um, you know, they haven't had their races, uh, partly because, you know, they've not been able to get permitting, but also because they just don't feel like they can do them safely yet. And, and. You know, if they don't feel like they can do them safely, then I don't understand how they're having races in Indiana where the where the caseloads are so much higher.
0: So we are seeing a few, you know, I am seeing some local races come back very small, like with weird, you know, with certain precautions where it'll be spread out over five or six. Like the start will be spread out over five or six hours. Lots of like trail races, gravel races, that kind of thing where people get spread out. You have to bring all your own supply, like no aid stations. Um, I'm trying to think what you know, it's literally like wear your mask in your car, go to the start and start, um, and and so yeah. I mean, I've seen some of those around here. Are there? And you're saying like obviously some people are doing it well, some people aren't. Are there things that athletes should look for as they're trying to decide? Oh, sh- can I do this small event? Can I do that one?
1: Yeah. And I want to be clear. I'm referring really to triathlons. I, I, you know, I actually participated in a gravel race uh, a couple of months ago and it was done locally here and it was terrific. They did a great job. Everybody had to wear masks. Everybody had to be social distance in the beginning. They rolled us out, you know, not as a big mass rollout. They rolled us out slowly individually and it, it was done really, really well. So I think you can do those kinds of events. Well, the triathlon poses a lot of problems because mostly because of the congregating around at the swim start Mm. and then the need for transition. But I think these other types of events like bicycle races, uh, even potentially running races. So, you know, to answer the question about what you should look for, I think, you know, you could definitely see how seriously it's going to be taken by the organizers depending on how they're going to, you know, write their instructions, like, are they going to require masks at the start? Are they going to require social distancing? If they are, then, and then they're going to enforce it. Then I think that's great. But I think the most important thing is what is the condition on the ground where your race is being held? Um, I, I personally would not show up for a big event and by big, again, I mean more than 50 people, I wouldn't show up for an event in places like Texas or Florida right now because their case numbers are just so high. But for Colorado, where we've got our case numbers pretty well controlled, I think that uh, you can make an argument that you can do these things safely. Um, I I mean, I, I think huge props to the the steamboat gravel people for what they have done, you know, with their virtual racing and, you know, providing course maps for all different kinds of cities and allowing people to do the race on their own and then giving very strict guidance about how to you know do it in groups. If you are going to do it that way to make sure you're all wearing masks, make sure you're being social distancing, um, you know, giving people the possibility of doing a race but doing it responsibly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is possible right now, but it's going to be a while before we can really get back to the kind of start line that we're used to.
0: Right, right. And um, in terms of obviously, like, you have to weigh your area you live in, how, how bad things are there, you have to weigh like what the race organizers is doing. Do you have to also consider your own personal health? When you talk to athletes? Is there are there kind of, you know, risk factors that you tell them to watch out for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the most, the two big things are, you know, what's the conditions where you are in terms of, you know, are case numbers going up or are are things under control? And then the second thing is, you know, what's the risk to you and your immediate family? Because if you have any of the things that put you at higher risk for COVID, either morbidity or mortality, and that would be, you know, increased age, underlying cardiovascular illness, uh, previous history of cancer, all of those things are associated with, you know, worse outcomes with this disease then I you know, always tell people do not put yourself at risk by doing anything that uh, is likely to get you infected. And then if you live with someone who has any of those factors, uh, if you live with a parent, if you live with a child who's got, you know, being actively treated for cancer or something like that, I mean, you you really have to be very, very careful about whether or not you want to take these chances bring that virus into your home where you could then expose that person who didn't attend a triathlon, but then could potentially get infected because of what you did.
0: Right. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, you have to be you have to be careful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the one thing where we've really fallen down in this whole pandemic is we have not taken care of each other as much as we really need to to try and get this under control.
0: Yeah. And so are you are you uh, able to get any training in, in between your emergency room shifts? Are you, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, fortunately, it's been the one thing that's helped me really decompress and stay sane. you know, I mean, like everybody else, I lost all my races and I went through a period where, you know, I grieved and I lost a lot of motivation and had a hard time training, but Uh, You know, I, it's, it's been kind of an interesting year where I've, you know, discovered gravel riding and (laughs) I, I wasn't a big gravel rider before and I've spent a lot of time gravel riding now. And, uh, you know, I've just learned that, uh, you know, I, as much as I trained for races, I always trained for fitness. I always trained for myself and, and it's been It's been kind of a a godsend for me because, you know, work is incredibly stressful. Uh, This is a a situation in which we we don't see an end. And that obviously makes everybody feel hopeless and helpless and, and leads to all kinds of mental health issues. And being able to get out and ride my bike or run for an hour to two a day is, you know, pretty much the only time that I get to turn off and not think about those things. So yeah, they've been really important for me and I definitely make time to do it.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad, you know, at least, at least you get to get out there and I'm, I'm hoping everyone, you know, listening figures out ways uh, to get out there too with yeah. your, with your precautions
1: in place. Yeah. It's super important.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for going through all of that with us. And if you want to uh, listen to, to Jess podcast, it's try doc uh, coaching and the try doc podcast, right?
1: Yep, and uh, it's on all of the regular podcast uh, pa- platforms, and uh, try.coaching.com is my website.
0: All right, this week we're welcoming Chelsea Sedaro, uh like three times 70.3 champion, fourth at 70.3 Worlds last year, and former national champion runner which is obviously we're going to talk about that but first things first chelsea you live in marin you live right by where i used to live and i just moved to boulder and we're doing this whole top tri towns in the country thing right now so i need your input what's better marin or boulder
2: oh my goodness i feel like i could make <laughs> some serious enemies with that question kelly it's you know i went to boulder for the first time last year actually okay i i I lived in Colorado Springs for six or seven months when I was running professionally, but I never made it to Boulder, which is ridiculous because I've heard Boulder described as like Berkeley, but in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I went to UC Berkeley and I love Berkeley. And so I don't know why I never made it there, but I totally get Boulder. I totally get why people train there and love it. It's so beautiful and also just easy for training I think like when you're a professional athlete, it's really important to live somewhere that just facilitates your training and that lifestyle because it is a pretty hard, challenging pursuit. And so you need to like set up your life in a way that makes it really easy to get out the door and get on your bike or go for a run or whatever. So Boulder is amazing, but Marin, <laughs> Marin is also a really special place. We have this mountain that I can see from my window actually it's called Mount Tam and it's a really small mountain (laughs) (laughs) but there are great climbs here just like out my door and a ton of professional cyclists have trained here so the QOMs are insane but um, the riding is awesome and the trail running is amazing and we have open water swimming so they're Everything that you would need to be a triathlete, we have here in Marin, and it's beautiful. So I feel super lucky to live here.
0: See, I feel so I feel like I feel like that answer was you're going with Marin, but you don't want to offend all the Boulderites. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, if you don't like defend your home turf,
0: right? Who
2: are you even? <laughs>
0: um, so you mentioned the QRMs, but I don't think you are one of the people, you haven't been going after QOMs or KOMs or anything like that during this COVID time. Like, I feel like I have not been seeing you do like crazy adventures, right? You're just kind of like getting the work done day after day.
2: Yeah, I have had a couple of rides where I've just gone out with my husband, who's just a great athlete, not a professional cyclist or anything, but he's super strong on the bike. And so we've done a few three or four hour rides where he'll, he'll just like lead me out on sprints or even descents. So I've tackled a couple, but I haven't been like full on into the QOM attack or anything like that. But every now and then I'll like get excited about something, but it definitely <laughs> hasn't been like my focus during this period of time or anything.
0: Well, cause I'm wondering what is keeping you motivated then during, you know, COVID times when we have like no races, what's keeping you like day-to-day training? What's the point?
2: Yeah, I have definitely had my moments during you know the quarantine lockdown where I have been really bummed out and not super motivated because I really live for the big races I love championship season I love the whole process of preparing for a really big day and finding out what I'm capable of but I also am super grateful for this life that I get to live it's really hard to complain when it's your job to go swim and bike and run in a place like Merton County or Boulder, for instance, it's just, it's pretty good. So, you know, I love my job so much and I love what I get to do for a living. And I also really love to, to swim, bike and run. And I love to see what my body is capable of doing. And so I still get to explore that in training every day, whether there's a race on the calendar or not. And I think that, Also like pushing yourself and being outside is really great for your mental health and mental clarity right now. And so I just feel super lucky for, you know, the life that I get to live and also that we're like privileged enough to still be able to be outside, you know, working out.
0: Right. I mean, you guys, obviously there was like a medium strict lockdown in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, but now you guys are like allowed to do stuff. You're allowed to go outside, all that yeah
2: you know we were always allowed to run and bike and mm-hmm. hit the trails. The trails were actually closed to cars, so all the parking lots were closed for at least a month, which is pretty epic for cycling because the whole mountain was closed to cars, and so you could like ride across the entire road and not worry about traffic or anything. But things are a bit a bit more open now. There's definitely like a palpable. Anxiety in the air. There are still restrictions. Things are definitely not back to normal by any stretch of the imagination. But, like for my purposes and training, I can get get most of it done.
0: Right, right. What does a uh, regular like training day, training week look for you right now? I mean, I, I'm assuming it's like pretty similar to it's always been. But you know, how much are you putting in?
2: Yeah, I'm putting in about twenty hours a week, pretty mm-hmm. consistently. So maybe if I was really in the thick of preparing for a race, I would be closer to 25, maybe 30. But my sweet spot right now has been about about 20. Yeah.
0: And you said you I mean, you love your job. You've never had a job that like you've been a pro athlete since you straight out of college. I mean, obviously runner and now triathlete. You ever had another job? I'm really trying to think about this. (sighs) So I've never
2: had a full time, like nine to five since I graduated from college, which is kind of crazy (laughs) and super fortunate. And I definitely think that, you know, my level of professionalism as an athlete has been to varying degrees throughout my career. You know, I didn't have a sponsorship when I decided to quote unquote, go pro as a runner. So you know, I've like, yeah, been varying degrees of professional athlete, I would say, but, you know, I have had like jobs. I worked at a running shoe store when I was in college and I actually worked for a Spanish translating company. Um, and you know, I've had like summer jobs and Mm -hmm. I've had some like side hustles and I've done like work for like sponsors I've had some writing gigs, but as far as like a desk job, I feel super lucky. I have not, you know, ridden a desk up to this point.
0: Oh man. What do you think is going to happen if you have to do that eventually? I mean, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, you know, I actually had a little panic a couple of years ago. I just kind of freaked out uh, about, kind of a career-ending injury. I've had several career-ending injuries, which I have managed to come back from. But in this particular moment, I just had a bit of a panic. What am I going to (laughs) do if I cannot compete anymore or I wake up one day and I no longer want to be an athlete for a living? And I ended up getting my paralegal certificate. Okay. Because I figured I would work as paralegal for a year or so and see if I liked it and then I would apply to law school but I have not actually used that certificate yet because I found 70.3 and that started going pretty well for me and here we are <laughs> right,
0: I think you like won your first one and you were like well I <laughs> guess I won't be a totally legal
2: <laughs> yeah so I guess like that's always you know in my back it's good I think it's good to have other interests and it's good to have like some sort of plan. I really believe in going all in on things. Like I am a pretty single-minded person and I get super consumed by whatever goal I'm focusing on and I go all in probably to a fault. Um, But as I have matured a little bit and gotten a little bit older and as I've kind of pivoted from this Olympic dream pursuit to Ironman, I have come to the realization that it's really important for me to have other things in my life that are like equally as important to sport and also to like have some sort of plan for when I am no longer pursuing sport, because I think that can actually free you up to like take the pressure off and kind of like enjoy competition without such like a do or die mentality. Like, if I do not win this race, I am screwed and will not be able to pay my bills, and I have like no plan. I, would, I have definitely been in that position more recently than I care to admit. But
0: and that was um, uh, not good. That was stressful. That didn't help.
2: Yeah. You know, well, actually, it worked out for me. it worked out okay. It worked out okay for me in this particular instance. But but I think like as a general kind of like mantra i think I think when I am really like enjoying the process and I take the pressure off a bit and I just like show up excited to see what I could do on a particular day that the outcome is generally better than if i you know I'm just like it's such like it feels like so dire that I have to perform otherwise you know right. I'll be screwed or whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, you said you have to have other things in your life that you care about as much as sports, so now I want to know what the other things are.
2: Yeah, well, it's not that exciting. I think, okay. you know, I I, I traveled a lot when I was first getting into triathlon, kind of like on the ITU circuit. I have like been a part of various training groups when I was running professionally and lived like far away from home and was on training camps a lot, and I just wasn't able to invest in my family and friendships as much as I have been able to the past couple of years since I pivoted to Ironman. And, you know, when I ended my ITU career, actually, I had just won my first World Cup. And I've told this story on some other podcasts, but I won this World Cup in Mexico, and I expected to cross the line feeling like so excited and proud and just like invigorated by this moment that I had been working so hard for. And instead, I crossed the finish line and I'm basically in Mexico by myself. My family's not there. My husband is not there. My husband and I had been living in separate cities because he had to work in the Bay Area and I was training in San Diego. And I just felt like... So it was such a letdown. Like you want to be you at least kind of want to be like spiritually engaged with the people that matter the most to you. And I just felt like I was kind of pursuing this thing on my own and my family wasn't really a part of it. And I decided that I didn't want to continue that way. Okay. And so I've really made it a point of like, including my family in this Ironman journey that I've gone on. And so I usually like bring one of my parents with me to all of my races like I don't go to races alone anymore anymore just because I wanted to be I want to like have memories that I'm sharing with the people that matter to me and of course like that's a very like privileged position to be in to like have your family be able to come to come travel with you but it's made it so much more fun and fulfilling to me and I felt like super supported in this pursuit and I just have found a lot more joy and i think the journey um as i've kind of like invested in these relationships more and it's mm-hmm. kind of like second chapter of my
0: okay okay i mean your husband steve i mean you mentioned he's a really good athlete he also ran with you at cal and was a very fast runner uh and now i i mean now i think he just like joins you at work i always see him in your instagrams <laughs> drinking <laughs> beers and, and riding bikes next to you yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah he's lot of fun he's my favorite person uh which is a good thing because we're married but uh yeah he is an incredible athlete actually I think if you were to look at like genetics and just natural ability he probably should be the professional athlete in our family um but I just have this like drive I think and like mental fortitude that has like taken me to these places I guess but He walked on to the track team at Cal and ended up becoming an All-American and he ran sub four minutes in the mile and he's just like super talented guy. But I kind of was injured for most of college and I ended up running really well in my fifth year and we decided as a couple that we were going to give it a go on my running career. (laughs) And I think like on paper, I definitely was not a candidate to like really take it to the next level. But there was just like something (laughs) inside of me that said, there's more, you have more to give. And I just had to find out what I could do. And I had this incredible partner who said, I believe in you and I am gonna just like work my butt off with these couple of jobs that I'm doing and you're gonna run full-time for like six months. And we're just gonna see what happens. And I ended up winning my first national championship a few months later uh, in Boston for the road 10K champs. And I won like (laughs) $12,500.
0: you were like, whoa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And when you're like making no money and you don't have a sponsorship and like I'd never run a 10K before. So I totally shocked myself. And I like made this chunk of money. I was like, I can pay my rent for like half a year. This is so, <laughs> this is so great. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And and I I think I just feel like so grateful to have had someone like Steve and other people in my career who who have encouraged me when I've had these sort of crazy ideas and crazy dreams where like on on paper it doesn't really. Like in retrospect, I'm looking back. Like if if, a if someone with my collegiate credentials came to me and said, "Do you think that I could like make it as a pro athlete?" I don't I don't know if I would tell them like, "Yeah, just like give up a year of your life and go for it, and and everything will work out." Like dream big, girlfriend. I don't know if I don't know if that would be like the sagest advice, but, but but luckily I. Well, I I think luckily I you know went for it and I had really amazing support that encouraged that and continues to encourage that um, with the other crazy ideas and ambitions that I managed to dream up.
0: Because you were super hurt during. I mean, I think you had what like six stress fractures. I read that somewhere. You were like hurt a lot during college. So what do you I was think? Hurt a
2: lot. Yeah.
0: How like what kind of changed? How were you able? Cause it's one thing to be like, okay, I want to go all in, but like, what were you had, what were you able to change to actually then, you know, become a national champion? Cause you were like a two-time national champion. You achieved the Olympic standard. Like you did all kinds of shit.
2: Yeah. I, i really committed to a professional lifestyle. Okay. I mean, my whole life and day was about running and recovering for my running and, you know, running again. And I loved it. I loved it so much. You know, I would like wake up every day so excited to train. And I worked with this woman, her name is Magdalena Boulay. She is an Olympian in the marathon. And she had coached at Cal my first couple of years. And we ended up kind of like reuniting after I graduated from college. And so she coached me and she was still competing full time. And so I had a training partner and a coach that I got to see every single day. And she was this world-class athlete. And if you know Magda, she is just one of the most kind, generous people that you'll ever meet. She's super inspiring and so positive. And so I had this kind of like partner in crime that I got to train with every day. And she really built me up as like a young woman and... And I think having that kind of partnership, being able to like turn to someone like that, who is so accomplished for advice every single day, huge for me. And then also just like taking advantage of opportunities when I got them.
0: Right. right. Um, Sorry, you were looking at it for a second, but I started thinking about how fast you run. Can you tell us, I'm sure people want to know, what are your PRs? (sighs) What are your like 5K, 10K mile?
2: My mile PR... On the track is 4.30. Okay. Um, my 1,500 PR is 4.08. <laughs> my 5K PR is 1,510. And my 10K PR is, I think it's like 3,205, something like
0: that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So did you, so we're going to get to your whole moving over to triathlon thing. But when you came over to triathlon, were you like, man, I'm just going to run circles around these? Did you think you were just going to run so fast? <laughs>
2: I think that I, I had a little more humility than that. <laughs> <sighs> I didn't think that it was going to be easy, but I I was optimistic of course, and I, you know, it was the same sort of deal when I was starting out in my professional running career, I just kind of became obsessed with this idea of seeing if I could make it, right? And finding out what I could do. And again, there wasn't necessarily any tangible evidence that said chelsea you could be a really great track athlete but i just you know i had followed the build up to the re- the the rio olympics and the american women were so strong and i had just become a fan of the sport and i wanted to see if i could do what they what they were doing yeah
0: why did you i mean i know you we're trying to make the Olympics obviously in running and like had a pretty, pretty terrible like Olympic trials. Why did you yeah. decide at that point to switch over to triathlon and not just, you know, give it another go and running?
2: Yeah, I was fairly injured again in the build up to the Olympic trials for Rio. And I got injured like quite soon after the Olympic trials. And my body was pretty broken and I was doing a fair amount of cross training and I, my contract was up that year. And I, I think I was pretty, lo- I was pretty lost at the time. I felt very discouraged and I couldn't keep myself in one piece. And I was pretty frustrated about my like, situa- I was frustrated in my kind of situation and mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know if I could get fired up for another Olympic cycle after my kind of build up to those Olympic trials.
0: Right. And so, um, so, I mean, obviously you've said like you were watching the Olympics, Gwen win, and you're like, Oh, why not do that? Did you know how to swim? I mean, I know actually right now you're actually like <laughs> a very good swimmer, but at the time, did you know how to swim? Did you know how to ride a bike?
2: You know, I did summer swim team. Okay. I I grew up in Davis. California, and it's a really active place. It's actually Bike City USA, which I proudly tell anyone who will listen to me. And there are awesome summer swim programs. And so my parents, threw my brother and I, into summer swim team. My brother actually was a very good swimmer and a collegiate water polo player. I was not a very good swimmer as a kid. I did not enjoy it, nor was I like, competitive. But I think just having that kind of basic feel for the water and background has kind of been. A saving grace, I was actually home a couple of days ago visiting my parents and we drove by the pool that I swam at as a kid and I turned to my dad and I said, thank you, Davis Summer Darts for saving my triathlon career. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I would have a triathlon career probably if I didn't have, you know, that little bit of background. Um, and then I grew up just riding a bike around town. We biked everywhere. I never raced a bike but I think just that comfort on the right. bike was helpful um and kind of as a story goes my husband and I were watching the Rio Olympics and he knew how kind of bummed out I was and how you know unhealthy I was from kind of like an injury standpoint and he said you should try that triathlon thing I think you'd be really good at it and I just laughed him and I said it was the most that was like the most ridiculous thing he'd ever said to me but then you know, I started kind of thinking a little bit more about it and getting more obsessed with the idea. And he, um, he had this like carbon frame that his sister had given him for some reason. And he set it up for me and we started riding together and he is a really strong cyclist. And so I would just like sit on his wheel. I cannot imagine, like, I wish that we had power meters because (laughs) I would sit on his wheel for like We'd go for like 90 minutes and he would ride as hard as he possibly could. Like classic, like, you know, recreational athlete. Like they just want to get in like a really hard workout before work. And we had a hill up to our house and he would just like smash me on the hill. Like drop me on the hill every single ride. I would like taste blood in the back of my throat. (laughs) But um, I got like fit pretty quickly on the bike. I would say that was an an added plus, (laughs) yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so a lot of runners, though, who come over to triathlon, I mean, one, they struggle with the swim and then two, a lot of times they actually have a hard time translating it because the bike, f- you know what I mean? Like they don't run as fast as that you would think because they don't yeah. have the bike fitness. Um, so I thought it was interesting that you went to ITU originally because that is so swim heavy and yeah. you need the technical skills in the bike. It's, right. Why? Why? why so why?
2: It, So initially I was still like very set on this Olympic um. dream. And I ended up getting connected with a professional ITU coach and I tried out for the squad and he said he thought I had a pretty good shot at pursuing this and I ended up getting some support from USA Triathlon. My swimming in the pool came along like much more quickly than I think I expected or anyone really expected. I had some trouble translating that to open water. I just didn't. I had a hard time getting comfortable in that like really aggressive. Right swim setting. Uh, and that's something that I still have to work on even in Ironman. It's not as gnarly as ITU, but you know, there still is contact and you still have to like have speed to get out strong and you have to be able to defend your space and all these things. I did not master that in ITU. Um, the bike handling came pretty naturally to me. Hmm. I was like immersed in this ITU squad from day one. And so I like a sink or swim sort of situation and, we did a lot of bike skills practice and I just had to like get on the program and either like get it done or like there wasn't an option. I <laughs> feel like the option so... I feel like
0: here is crash, right? Like that's the, <laughs> right, the option is
2: like crash
0: or like
2: find something else to do. And so I loved, I was surprised by how much I loved being on the bike. Hmm. I had never, I had never like found that similar kind of like endorphin high that you get from running until I started cycling. And I was really surprised that I got that same sort of like excitement and feeling of accomplishment on the bike. And also like the handling aspect came naturally to me, which was fortuitous. Um, and I also, the running off the bike also came fairly naturally to me, even in my first season, like, I think I ran, I ran like a sixteen minute five k off the bike in my first season, which so not was not terrible.
0: That's not terrible.
2: Not too terrible, yeah. <laughs> so that that aspect translated fairly, fairly naturally. But I, yeah, I, I definitely struggled with the swim aspect.
0: I mean, we're like making fun. You're not. You're actually like a pretty good swimmer. Obviously, at seventy point three worlds last year, I remember because I was standing there. I think you were what, like forty five? You guys came out like forty five seconds a minute back off like it I wasn't think, that I th- far I think
2: it was about I think it was about 30 seconds yeah I was about like 30 seconds from the main group which I was super I was really disappointed in my swim I'm just saying Worlds, that's not like but,
0: terrible but in a
2: there's like it's not terrible it's not where I want to be but you know I'll continue to okay. to work on that yeah
0: so, you made the switch over, you said basically because you were getting tired of the whole like traveling around, the lifestyle, the like constantly not being at home with your husband and your family. Cause most of your family, I mean, for people who don't know, like Davis and Mar- like you guys are like, that's like an hour apart. Like everyone's kind of in your area now, right? And so you've been yep. able to yep. now. And my family is in Marin County. Right. As well. So, you've been able to now like stay
2: yeah, in one place. I think place... this is a Sorry. long. Yeah. No, no worries. Yeah, this is the longest I've really been we've been here now for I think two years, which is the longest that I've been in one place for in for a while. So it's starting to feel like home and we have great friends here and great family support. So yeah. It's been it's been good.
0: All right. So that's the primary reason you made the switch, but it turned out you're pretty good at it too. I feel like like you won your first one. I'm pretty sure. Right? Well, it was yeah,
2: a duathlon. I like to say that, that I won my first one. <laughs> I won, I like to say I won my first actual seventy point three because that makes the story so much better. But I did Waco right uh, seventy point three in twenty eighteen w- as my like actual first one, and it was they turned it into a duathlon, and I was third there. But it was a very rough. It was a very rough day for me. <laughs> So I have better memories from, I feel like, don't you feel like I could call Indian Wells 2018 my first one since that sure. was actually a full right. triathlon? I don't know. So then anyway. your
0: first full 70.3 you <laughs> won, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That was a really fun day. I my It was the first triathlon that my husband had, had ever been to that I competed in and my family was there and it was like such a euphoric moment and really validating for this decision because I had like a solid performance and it was just like I performed kind of out of like joy of the journey and my pursuit it wasn't like I have to do this or I have to like perform at this certain level I just like had so much fun pushing myself and seeing what I could do and like the result followed that and my people were there so it was a really special day.
0: Um, I know you won like your, I know you won your next race at Santa Rosa last summer too, but you had like this long gap in between where you were hurt again. <laughs> Why do you keep yeah. getting hurt? I'm like, oh no.
2: <laughs> well, Kelly, I haven't been hurt since then. So knock on wood. <laughs> I had this gnarly knee injury actually. And I hurt it a couple of weeks before Indian Wells in 2018. And so I think that that race didn't do me any massive favors as far as, like, my knee injury situation, but it was a really finicky thing, and I ended up, like, seeing a lot of different doctors and physical therapists, and we finally found out what was going on, but it was a trying period of time because I was coming off this big win, and I thought, like, I'm just made to do this, and, you know, like, from a financial standpoint, like it's pretty hard financially to take a half of a year off from racing. Right. Uh, it puts a lot of, it put a lot of pressure on the second half of the year for me, but, but I'm really proud of how I came back and how I kind of stayed the course during that period of time and like really was able to get it done during the second half of the year.
0: Yeah. Cause you won Santa Rosa. I don't remember if you did something else there. And then you obviously got fourth at worlds, which is a big deal. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. <laughs> and you at worlds i remember this because i was there you came off the bike like 13th or something and you ran your way all the way up into fourth which has to be like a little challenging to like stay mentally in it that whole time like what do you tell yourself to be able to do that
2: i don't know i don't know if i was that i don't know if i was that far back i think i may have been in the top 10 by the time i came off the bike But I had, I didn't have an awesome first half of the race, which was a bummer because I, I usually am a very strong climber with my like physiology and my skills on the bike. And I just did not have a great climb up the Col de Vance, but I descended really well. And Hmm. I started passing all of these people on the descent and that gave me a lot of momentum coming into T2 And every time I get my running shoes on, I just, in my head, I'm like, you just got to do what you do. It's game time. (laughs) And, and you know, I just like walk into my rhythm and I start picking people off. And I just, you know, like I, of course, a triathlete, but, you know, running is in my bones and it is what I like think I was made to do and there's a skill that I have really like cultivated over many, many years. And so every time I get to the run, I just feel like it's time to go to work. It's
0: time to go to work.
2: <laughs> All right, so <laughs> now you just kept telling yourself,
0: I got to pick these people off. I'm going to work.
2: Yeah, I didn't know. I guess I started to gather more information about where I was in the race, but it's really fun to pass people. <laughs> you know, it gives you, it gives you, like, it gives you momentum and kind of like positive affirmation that you're doing a good job and you're making progress. And I, I think that like, it's, it's funny in triathlon because athletes tend to kind of label themselves. I find it's like, I am a like swim biker. or I'm like a bike runner or, you know, they like, everyone kind of has like their little category that they put themselves into. And I really like choose not to do that because I, I like to have this like growth mindset of, you know, seeking improvement in all areas. And I really think that I can get better in swim, bike, run, but I also like, like to chase people too. And, and like, that's what the run is for me. You know, like that's, that's like my greatest strength and so I think it's like more fun to pass people than to be chased down
0: well yeah to be kind of running in
2: fear yeah to be running in fear of people coming up on you uh versus like charging ahead and like hawking people down (laughs) so (laughs) so I get a lot of energy from that. like even though it's hard and I'm like gritting it out it's still fun okay
0: Okay. I would imagine, yeah. I mean, nobody comes in fourth and is like, okay, that was good enough. I would imagine now you're like third, second, first, right? Like this is what your eyes on.
2: Yeah. I think that I am proud of my effort on the day, but also it, it wasn't really what I went there to do. Like I had bigger aspirations and maybe that sounds crazy. Cause it was my like first one. And I had, this big injury leading up to it, but I like really want to win every race that I enter, that I enter, you know, I'm a like competitive person. Like a lot of us are, but I think that unless you are on that top step of the podium, you always feel like, and even sometimes when you are on the top step of the podium, you always feel like you can do a better job or, I don't know. I haven't done a race where I was like, that was the perfect race. I could have done, you know, like I did everything perfectly. I executed everything like, you know, to a T I don't know. I've never experienced, (laughs) but I'm still like chasing that of course. And so, you know, I had this like lengthy list of things that I really need to work on. And so I'm looking forward to improving on those things and, you know, giving it another crack the next time I'm on that stage. But I was like, certainly proud of the effort and, it was an incredible it was an incredible field of women. I think oh, yeah, that has it was crazy. To be it was crazy. One of the deepest mm-hmm. 70.3 worlds fields and so I was super honored to compete with those women and to um you know like place where I did and I think it was like a really great stepping stone for my career in the sport.
0: Um in this whole like growth mindset, right? I mean, you were telling me earlier you've taken this time during COVID to like evaluate your life, right? <laughs> and think about where you want to go with things. So what have you yeah. I mean, what have you like what what have you thought? What have you decided?
2: Yeah, well, I think I think that when you are pursuing something, like a really big goal, something that is really hard to achieve and really lofty something that is not guaranteed at all. It's, you know, really important to think about who you are surrounding yourself with and, you know, who is kind of like in your circle of support. And I think oftentimes you find that it's a pretty small circle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I you know, have like done a lot of self-reflection about kind of like where I want my career to go and, um, who I want to surround myself with. And I, um, I decided to make a big coaching change, which I am really excited about. I had like privilege of working at Dixon at Pearl Patch for, you know, this like kind of launching period of my Ironman career. And that was such a great introduction to the sport for me. And I'm really thankful for his investment in me and his time and everything that he taught me and like community that he exposed me to. I've met so many awesome people through Pro World Patch that I like continue to be friends with and who have supported me in such massive ways. Um, But I am also like really excited for this next phase of my career. And I um, just started working with Dr. Dan Pluse. He is an exercise physiologist. He's British actually, but he's based out of Auckland, um, out of the university there. And he is just a wicked smart guy. And we had like a really immediate, um, connection. And I think we're both equally excited about my goals and my ability and what we think we can do together. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm really stoked to, to see, to see like how how this all unfolds and what we can kind of like make happen over the next few years.
0: Are you, I mean, obviously you're, you're very much, it seems like a, like a training partners, training people around you person, but now are you doing all your stuff by yourself?
2: I'm not doing all my stuff by myself. I have some like really awesome training partners in Marin that I love to ride and run with and Mm -hmm. who like really push me and ride and run and swim with. And they like really push me in all three disciplines and have been really flexible with doing my training, which (laughs) is always awesome. But I also, my training is also like really specific to my needs as an athlete and the improvements that I want to make. So it's, it's like pretty structured and specific. Right. So I definitely have to like, right. I'm choosing to really like stick to that program. I think that When you are, I think, at least for me, when I have had my, like the most success in my career is when I am so all into my program and I have so much belief in my coach and what we're doing that I can just let them do the planning and I do the execution of the training and I use like my mental and physical energy just to do the training and like move on to the next thing. Uh, in my day rather than like really spending like a lot of mental energy thinking about if it's like the right thing or you know like should I be doing this or more or less or whatever and I have like so much faith in what Dan plans for me that that just like really frees me up to do the training and, and execute it and we of course like talk about it and like break it down or whatever but he does the planning and I do the execution and it's really specific and awesome. And I'm just like, really excited to see, okay. to see the improvements that when I make. Are,
0: uh, I mean, people always want to know. I, so I feel like I need to ask like, what's like your, your like workout now that you're like, Oh God, not that one. Like that's really hard. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> yeah. We had this one a couple of weekends ago. And I don't remember the specific, like the exact specifics of it, But it was – it was, like, really – it was, like, 30 seconds, like, really hard. Like, zone five, a minute, zone four, into, like, ten minutes at Ironman. No, it was more than that. I don't know. It was basically this workout where you, like, jack your heart rate up, and then you have to come down to, like, close to Ironman effort. And – like control your heart rate like as quickly as you can and make it as comfortable as you can. And it was like several rounds of that. And then it finished with like 10 minutes of 30 seconds, e5, 30 seconds easy. As like the icing on the cake. <laughs> and then I think I had a runoff that day. So yeah, it's you know it's it's really challenging. It's definitely a lot of new a lot of new stimulus and it's hard but it's supposed to be it's supposed to take you out of your comfort zone I think that's the whole idea of training it's to like challenge you and provide stimulus and then you have to do the proper things to recover from it but it's all about like pushing yourself and and taking your training to new levels so it's a fun it's a fun fun, challenge
0: it's a fun painful
2: yeah well some days it's more fun than others but I think if you can, if I like go in with the attitude of like, uh, being like really excited to see if I could do it, you know, that makes a little more positive attitude makes a little more attainable.
0: <laughs> what do you like? What do you miss about running? And what do you like a triathlon that there wasn't in running?
2: Ooh. Ooh. One thing that I do miss about running is international travel without a bike, right? when you just need to bring you just you know you do like the last minute check in your head did I bring this did I bring this and with running it's like did I bring my spikes check done <laughs> I could go to I could go to Europe for a month with a carry-on it was epic I had to bring five bags to nice last year yeah it was insane like with your stuff like your clothes and training your kits, and then you have to bring your bike, and then you have to bring spare wheels and a trainer, and all these things because you want to make sure that you have all the things you need to perform, right? Right. So that is a little bit cumbersome. So that's also another reason to travel with someone else, is they can carry your stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I definitely had goals. I definitely had goals in running that I didn't accomplish. I miss. I loved big weeks of running training. I love some of the workouts. I love being able to go do, I don't know, eight by a K, at like a lot faster than I do eight by a K now. And <laughs> then not feel. deal. So I miss, I miss that. I miss, you know, being in, I kind of miss, I my running fitness now is just different. Like I don't, right. I don't run as fast anymore as I did when I was training for, you know, an elite 5K. I just don't. It doesn't make sense for me to do those workouts anymore. And so I, I really liked the feeling of like being able to rip fast 200s and 400s. I don't really do that any anymore. Like I, it wouldn't make sense from a training standpoint or like an injury standpoint. Um, but I also, you know, I really love to train. And in triathlon, you get to train a lot. <laughs> and I think for like my physiology and overall health, it has been a really positive change for me. I've just like generally been a lot healthier. I, I definitely had periods of time in my running career where I was like riding that line of how you know lean I could be. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, I didn't need to be doing that, but I definitely fell into that trap and I like went under the line. Several times, which like was not conducive to like performance or my health ultimately, and I have been able to like do our job of of getting out of that like mindset and that trap of you know like leaner being better. I feel a lot stronger now, Um, a lot less like despite that knee injury last year. I've had like no bone injuries as a triathlete. I've just generally been a lot a lot healthier. Um, and I love the challenge of triathlon. It's really fun to, to get better to improve. It's fun to improve and it's fun to try new things. And I feel like I have this whole new world open up to me of cycling and swimming. And I think it feels like such a gift to be able to pursue this. I feel like it's almost, kind of this like second chance that I have at a professional career in sports like who gets to like become a professional athlete in another sport in their late 20s like it's just sort of ridiculous but I feel really grateful that it has become that it's an option for me and I've had the support to be able to do it like it's such a privileged position that I find myself in and I'm it's really fun
0: it's really fun I mean you seem like you're really fun. fun yeah I am.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, there are good days and bad days like we all have. It's not fun every single day, <laughs> but most, most days it's really, it's really fun. And I, and I'm like looking forward to exploring this kind of frontier. Like I'm excited about, you know, moving up to the full distance. That's going cha- gonna... to be a whole other challenge. Okay. I am for sure. A hundred percent. I don't exactly know when that's going to happen. I don't think any of us really know. Well, I was going to say, I
0: don't think there is a yeah, full happening that, in America, but yeah.
2: No, but, but I think that, you know, in the next like year or two, I'm looking forward to okay.
0: okay, taking that on. Yeah. All right. What are your, I mean, obviously I feel like I have to ask people, but it's tricky right now. What are your plans? Like, what do you see yourself doing? I'm guessing you're going to try and do Daytona if that happens, but I don't even know what else is going to be happening on the schedule.
2: Yeah, I think that Daytona is really probably the most like viable thing that's on the calendar at this point. And so I certainly look forward to the opportunity. Uh, I think, you know, the the PTO has been really transparent about their efforts that they've been making to make sure that that happens and, you know, like providing a lot of support to us at, at this time. So, you know, fingers crossed that that we're able to compete there. Cause it will be quite the show.
0: I always feel like I always feel like I jump over some things, the PTO being the pro triathletes organization, which is organizing this big race in Ch- Daytona, Florida with challenge. It's going to have like the 50 top, 50 top women and 50 top men. That's the plan. Huge prize purse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Just a massive opportunity. And I think all of the me- media and And content and delivery of that race will just be super professional, super exceptional and an awesome platform for, for our sport and anyone who is like fortunate, fortunate enough to toe the line on that day. Yeah.
0: So obviously that's on your immediate calendar. Hopefully next year, just kind of waiting to see next few years. We'll see you at an Ironman a full, we don't know which one yet.
2: Yeah, we don't know which one yet. (laughs) I am definitely... Like, I definitely am motivated. I love the big, like, I love the big stages. So I don't know. I don't know if it, like, makes sense to do my first Ironman on, like, like a massive stage. But... Why not? But there are some good ones out there. I know. I know. I think so. (laughs) It's such a, like, it's such a big investment of time, right? And training. And you only get so many shots. So I've... A year, you know? So I feel like, yeah, you might as well just go big
0: okay <laughs> why not so why not why yeah. not all to right me. i think this will be fun i think this will be good as you know assuming we get back to racing sometime eventually sometime i know fingers crossed mm-hmm. and in the meantime you're yeah. just putting in the training day after day right now getting it done
2: yeah exactly exactly yeah.
0: all right so usually we finish with a would you rather here's my one for you sometimes people okay. hate mine because they're mean would you rather be a world champion <laughs> oh. in a 5k or 70.3?
2: <sighs> oh my goodness. Well, right now, 70.3.
0: Well, right now. Yeah. Okay.
2: Right now, 70.3. Yeah. Like I told you, I'm pretty, I get like pretty all in on whatever it is that I am pursuing and I am a massive running fan. Okay. So I still like follow running the sport really closely and I just love watching track. But I think for right now, I'm pretty all in on okay. Ironman for, triathlon. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. thanks.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to us. And I hope, uh, you know, you keep having fun with everything. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks to Chelsea and Jeff for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what you hear, leave us a review or share with a friend. Keep subscribing and keep training.